think of the Battle Hymn of the Republic as a, a patriotic song, and indeed it has a history that uh, goes back and is very instrumental in our nation. But really that's talking about the, the judgment of God when He comes again and uh, trampling out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. Um, those days are coming. And, um, but I love His truth is marching on. Truth will always prevail. You can rest assured in that. We rejoice in that, that truth always prevails. And God said, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord in Psalm 33. And He said in Proverbs 14 and verse 34, Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. And, and when you look back throughout history and you see believers throughout all of history that have faithfully served God under some of the most oppressive and, and severe governments that, that you can ever imagine, in particular um, those of the early church and many others, throughout history, and even yet today, many followers of Jesus Christ are suffering severe persecution and martyrdom because their love for Jesus Christ. But as you look through Scripture, you, you see that it was a common thing for followers of Christ to be under governments that were very adverse to the cause of Christ and antagonistic even to the point of martyrdom. And the Apostle Paul was one example of that. And yet Paul, shortly before he was martyred, wrote the book of Philippians. And the theme of Philippians is joy. And in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 4, Paul's writing to these believers. Paul is in prison because of his faith in Christ. He's writing to believers that are suffering persecution. And he says to them in Philippians 4, 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. And then he says, Don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Then he goes on and he tells them what to think on. But here Paul is under, as we said, severe persecution, and he's saying, rejoice in the Lord always. Let me tell you that again. Don't miss it. Rejoice. And don't be filled with anxiety and fear and troubled about all these things. Rather, replace that fear with going to God in prayer. Cast all your care upon Him. And then the peace of God, which passes all understanding, that you won't be able to explain why is this peace here? 
The peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. So we say, how was Paul able to have such a not only positive attitude, but a victorious attitude, and his faith in Christ, how was he able to, to do that? And, and what would be the applications to us in our day? And I think it's so important that we see the big picture. Paul certainly saw the big picture. And, and I want to try to help us today from the standpoint of we as Americans to see the big picture. And I think, number one, we must realize and remember that God indeed shed His grace on America. It is, it is so important that we be students of history. And if we are students of American history, let alone all of history, but we're bringing it down to America today, if we are students of American history, you, you cannot truly study American history without seeing the hand of God. This nation cannot be explained from the, its infancy, its birth, and its infancy rising up cannot be explained apart from the hand of God. Let me just remind you of some of the quotes of that our founding fathers and early church leaders made just to give you an evidence. We're we're told all oh, this this nation wasn't founded on Christian principles. I, I won't take the time today, but go back and read the Mayflower Compact and come away from reading that and tell me it wasn't founded for that purpose, for the spreading of the gospel into the glory of God. But Patrick Henry said, It cannot be emphasized too strongly or too often that this great nation was founded not by religionists, but by Christians. Not on religions but on the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can't get much clearer than that. Thomas Jefferson said, The reason Christianity is the best friend of government is because Christianity is the only religion that deals with the heart. Lion Phelps said, Western civilization is founded upon the Bible. Our ideas... Our wisdom, our philosophy, our literature, our art, our ideals come from the Bible more than all the other books put together. I believe a knowledge of the Bible without a college course is more valuable than a college course without a Bible. He mentions all our ideas come from the Bible. Individuals have gone back and looked at the writings of our founding fathers and, and studied their writings and where they got their ideas. And they found this. 34% of all the quotations of the founding fathers' era were taken from the Bible. That is 15 times higher than any other source of their quotations. So 
it, it was a prominent factor in their lives and in their values. 94% of the founders' ideas were based on the Bible. The three branches of government come from Isaiah 33:22. They they established that seeing that Isaiah 33:22 said God is our king, our lawgiver and our judge. So they established the three branches of government. The separation of powers that has been so foundational in the the preservation of our nation They got that idea from Jeremiah chapter 17. The separation of church and state, as you saw in this, all other nations have had state religions. To to have religion not supported by the state was unheard of. But again, they got that idea from Scripture. And, And we could go on and mention many other things. Horace Greeley said, It is impossible to enslave mentally or socially a Bible-reading people. The principles of the Bible are the groundwork of human freedom. William Penn, If we will not be governed by God, we will be governed by tyrants. Think about that today in the day that we're living in. If we as a people decide we're not going to be governed by God, we're going to be governed by tyrants. Benjamin Rush said, Let the children be carefully instructed in the principles and obligations of the Christian religion. This is the most essential part of education. The great enemy of the salvation of man, in my opinion, never invented a more effectual means of removing Christianity from the world then by persuading mankind that it was improper to read the Bible and to read the Bible at school. George Washington, do not let anyone claim to be a true American if they ever attempt to remove religion from politics. We could spend the rest of the morning reading quotes of our founding fathers, giving examples that... It it truly was through a dependence on God, telling stories just of George Washington alone, his survival, that he wasn't killed in in the early days of the war is is a miraculous intervention of God. But we need to acknowledge and know that that our, our nation has been a recipient of the grace of God over and over again, and we need to remember it and rejoice in it. When we forget what God has done, we then lose track of the power of God. We lose track of what brought us to where we are. And even with the children of Israel, God said, Beware lest you forget God. So, First of all, to see the big picture, we need to remember, and, and that's why you must learn to study and learn American history and see the hand of God, let alone throughout all of history. So we need to remember God shed His grace on America. Secondly, we need to realize where America has gone. I was thinking this morning... 
There was a day when children, it was normal. It was across the board that children grew up with their biological parents. That wasn't unusual. I mean, that was the norm. There was a day when children could play outside all day long without adult supervision and without fear. How many of you lived those days, huh? I mean, you just, you just had to be home. My mom, for us boys, had a whistle and um, trained like dogs, you know what I mean? But we were gone all day long, but when she blew the whistle, that meant a meal was on or we needed to be home. And you could hear that whistle throughout the neighborhood. And, and our friends would Hey, I just heard your whistle. You better get going home, Dan. You know? And it was, if we didn't show up and we missed a meal, that was on us. She wasn't bringing out a food. This is... And she didn't worry about us until we came back bloodied or broken or whatever. Then, you know, then she took care of that. But that's unheard of today. For... For... A, a parent to leave his kid in the yard unsupervised, in their own yard. Why? Honestly, because we've turned our back on God. And there are many other things, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time for that. You can remember when men took responsibilities for their family. It wasn't the government's responsibility. When families ate meals together, they worked together, they played together. When pornography and abortion were minimal and were a shame. When churches unapologetically preached the truth and people responded to it. We could go on and list many other things. And like I said, I'm not going to spend much time here. But we've gone a long ways the wrong way in our nation. But I want to tell you that in order to see the big picture, you must learn to rejoice in truth. And because of that, I am very optimistic today. I am very optimistic. And, and like I said, we could spend all day talking about the, the vices and the traps and the degradation of our nation. But in spite of that, I am very optimistic today because I am rejoicing in truth. And I want to list for you six truths that you can rejoice in if you are a child of God. Number one, rejoice in the truth. I am a child of God. But as many, John 1, 12, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the children of God, sons of God. I mean, if you've grown up around Christianity, it's easy for us to take this for granted. But that I, a rebellious, vile, proud, arrogant sinner, can be adopted into God's family by the blood of Jesus Christ and and adopted into his family and treated as a child of God 
forever a member of his family? This is, this is the big picture, and you need to not forget it. We can get our eyes off on all the things that are bad in our world today, but by God's grace, if you are here today and you have responded to the call of God's Spirit to place your faith in Jesus Christ, you are a child of God, and forever you will be a child of God, and nothing can take that away from you. And that ought to cause us every day, every day when we get up, it ought to make us say, thank you, God, that you have adopted me in, into your family. Thank you, God, for the privilege to be a child of yours. So we rejoice. We can be optimistic. I am a child of God. Secondly, my citizenship is in heaven. In Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20, Paul reminded them again. He says, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working of him that is at work in us. So, he says, remember, yes, you are an American citizen, but as a believer in Christ, your citizenship is in heaven. You have a greater citizenship. It's the difference between temporal and eternal. Our earthly citizenship is where we were born physically. Our heavenly citizenship is when we are born spiritually, when we are born again. Our earthly citizenship is temporal. Our heavenly citizenship is eternal. Our earthly citizenship is doomed for failure. It will fail. All the nations of all of history have always failed. Our heavenly citizenship is destined for success. Our earthly citizenship ends in death. Our heavenly citizenship is life, eternal life. Our earthly citizenship is man-centered. Our heavenly citizenship is God-centered. I mean, I don't know about you, but when I think about that, it's like, praise the Lord, this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. And it, it gives perspective to this world that we're living in. And we'll touch on that more in just a little bit. I rejoice today, regardless of what goes on in our world today, I rejoice in the truth that he says his grace is sufficient for us. 2 Corinthians 9, 12, excuse me, and verse 9, Paul had this thorn in the flesh. He prayed that it would be removed. And God says, no, I'm not going to remove it. I'm going to give you the grace for it. My grace, whatever trial you go through, we touched on it a couple weeks ago, God will not tempt us above that we are able, but will with every temptation make a way of escape that we may be able to bear it. And he says, my grace is sufficient for you that 
His empowering in our life. The, my favorite definition of grace, and I didn't think of it. I don't know who did or I'd give them credit. But it is grace is the empowering of God in my life to do His will. The empowering of God in my life to do His will. So God's grace will be sufficient. Regardless of what happens economically, regardless of what happens politically, regardless of what happens in any area of life, God promises that His empowering in my life will be sufficient to help me do His will. So we, we sing, America, God shed His grace on thee. God shed His empowering on you to help you do God's will. And He truly has throughout history. But here we are today as we are challenged on the video. Um, we are in a, in a critical time in history, none greater since the Civil War, of what values our nation is going to choose. And regardless of which way it goes... Regardless of the consequences of that, God says, you know what? My grace will be sufficient for you. Even if, even if it goes the way that we may not want it to go. And we can rest in the fact that His grace is sufficient. We can also rejoice in this truth. And, and because of it, rejoice even as the Apostle Paul in the midst of of difficult times, we can rejoice that God's will will be done. Daniel chapter 4, let me just read Daniel chapter 4. This is King Nebuchadnezzar was the king over all the earth. And no one was like him. And God brought him down and humbled him. And he acknowledged God as the supreme authority and in Daniel 4:34 he says at the end of this time this period of humbling I Nebuchadnezzar lifted my eyes to heaven and my understanding returned to me and I blessed the most high and praised and honored him who lives forever for his dominion is an everlasting dominion his kingdom is from generation to generation all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He does according to His will in the army of heavens and among the inhabitants of the earth. No one can restrain His hand or say to Him, What have you done? In other words, Nebuchadnezzar acknowledged God is the supreme authority. God is in control. He will do what He wills. And Psalm 75 or Psalm 7 tells us it is God that puts down one king and raises up another. God is the governor of nations. Man, if I am personally related to God as a child of God, you are personally in fellowship with the governor of nations. Why should I fear? Jesus is near. As, as uh, I think it's Jan Markell says, things aren't falling apart. They're falling into place. God is the one that's in control. 
And if you study the Scriptures, you begin to see, wow, this is leading up to this. You can see this is moving to this. We don't see everything, but you can see and you come back and you realize, wow, I rejoice. God's will will be done. No man can stop it. And just kind of as a news flash, God is not dependent on the United States of America to fulfill any of his promises. You know, it's easy for us because we live in America. I love America. I think it's still the greatest nation on earth by far. And most people in the world agree with that. But you know what? God is not duty-bound to do anything for America, and God's plan doesn't revolve around America. We sometimes struggle with that. But God is in control. His will will be done, and we can rejoice in that. We can rejoice in this truth, that nothing can separate us from the love of God. I, I know you're, you're probably familiar with this, but I'd like to ask you to turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. And before we read this, I want you to think, what are, what are some of the things that you may be tempted to fear? Economic downturn... Um, Viruses, loss of health, persecution, totalitarian communism taking over our country, whatever it is. With that in mind, notice verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword As it is written, for your sake, Lord, we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Now notice how Paul summarizes this. I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing, shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You you, you may imagine the worst thing that you can think possible. Let's just say um, martyrdom for the cause of Christ. Persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword, nor life nor death. None of these things shall be able to separate me from the love of God. I mean, that ought to encourage our hearts. We have, we have no idea what the future holds. And there are many people today that are risking their lives to follow Christ Jesus. But regardless of what may happen, nothing can separate them or us from the love of God. That ought to, that ought to make our hearts to be encouraged and, and to not be given over to fear that nothing can separate us from the love of God. And then let me mention one last thing. Our mission will never change. Our mission as followers of Jesus Christ 
is that we should be to the praise of His glory. We can always show forth the glory of God regardless of the circumstances around us, regardless of what form of government we are under, regardless of what persecution or tribulation, regardless of what prosperity. This is what God's called us to do. As a child of God, our, our job in this life is to glorify God. That's the highest duty of man. Throughout Scripture, he continually tells us, that we should be to the praise of His glory. Whether we eat or drink or whatever we do, do all to the glory of God. And so, you know what? Our mission today in free America is the same as a believer's mission in persecuted Iran. And if things change in America, our mission doesn't change. Our mission is to glorify God. And as Christians, we are commanded to love our neighbor, including those in our communities. We are um, foreigners here. Our citizenship is in heaven. But we must be good citizens in this earthly citizenship. God has put us here. We are, Jeremiah 29, again, don't have the time to go into it. But it says, build up the community you're in. Plant your vineyards and, and, and build up the community. Be a blessing. Be a responsible citizen. And biblically love your neighbors. And do everything you can to advance the cause of freedom and human dignity. The same values that our founding fathers had. Those three values that were mentioned earlier. And those glorify God, whatever we do. And that's why Paul in Philippians chapter 1 said, <clears throat> I, I know he's writing to the church at Philippi and he says, I know you're burdened about me, I'm put in prison. But he said, these things have happened to me for the advancement of the gospel, for God's kingdom. And so he's in prison, he's rejoicing because you know what? My mission hasn't changed. Now I'm to glorify God in prison. So let's go. Let's glorify God. Regardless of what happens, our mission is still the same, to glorify God, because He alone provides forgiveness of sin. He alone adopts me into His family. And because of that, I love Him and I want to honor Him because He alone is worthy of honor. When everything is said and done, only God will be standing. Only Jesus Christ will be standing. And my job today and your job every day, regardless of what goes on around us, is to glorify God. What a blessing it is. So... Your future peace and joy and happiness is not dependent on who gets elected or what laws are made or how the economy does. Our future peace is dependent on our relationship with Jesus Christ. And nothing's going to change. We know His will. Our will, His will for us, is to glorify God. And so... 
we might say, I would prefer to do it in prosperity, but whatever God sees fit to bring my way, I am committed to glorify God because He is everything to me. He is my all in all. There's there's nothing else that matters. And that's why Paul, in the midst of knowing that he was facing martyrdom, and just moments before it, write with joy and peace and victory because he knew that if that's what God's called me to do, then I want to glorify God in it. That ought to encourage our hearts. Those are truths that never change. And and to rest in that and abide in it. But I want you to go back and remember and rejoice what God has done in our nation. I want you to also to think about how did we get where we are here today? Um, we'll, be, we'll be talking in the, the Sunday school hour with the adults, you know, a little more about how did we get to where we are today. Things don't just happen overnight. We may see some of the effects of it happen rather rapidly. But regardless of what is going on, we rejoice in truth. And we just listed six. You could go on and list many, many more. But the beginning one, I am a child of God. And the ending one, my mission has never changed and never will change. I'm a child of God, and I am here to glorify God. And you know what? God will give us all the grace we need to do that. Heavenly Father, I thank you today for truth, that you are truth. And Lord, I thank you today that we can trust you with the forgiveness of our sins by faith in Jesus Christ. And Lord... I do pray if there are any here today who have never trusted you that that cannot honestly say, I am a child of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Lord, I pray today would be the day when they come to salvation. And then, Lord, I pray for every believer here. I pray that we would be freed from anxiety and fear and, and the troublesome thoughts And Lord, that we would be more committed to glorifying You than we ever have been before. That we would love You and love our neighbor as never before. Lord, that we would be a blessing to those we come in contact with. That that we would model the character and the, the nature of You. That we would carry the good news of the Gospel. And Lord... We thank You that we are still able to do that in in this land. We thank You for the faith of our fathers that um, has made it possible for us to stand and even gather here today in freedom. And Lord, I pray that You would use us to bless our communities, to stand for truth, to pursue the ways of peace, And most of all, to glorify You. So Lord, we plead Your mercies today. And we pray that You would 
Help us to honor You in all that we say and do. In Jesus' name, Amen.